Hello and welcome to BPW's coverage of Euro 2020, where today we talk about Group C in the tournament. We give you a preview of the teams, what to look forward to, a little bit about how they got here, who we're looking out for, and then at the end of revealing all of the teams and talking about all of the teams, we will tell you who we think is going to come out of all of them. So, Group C. First team in Group C, Austria. Uh, Die Burschen, the boys, as they like to be called. Uh, 23rd in the FIFA World Rankings. Uh, they failed to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. They finished 4th in Group F of the 2016 European Championship. 2nd in their European Qualifying Group behind Poland. A 6-1-3 and record there. Their manager is Franco Foda. 33 games played under him since 2018. 20, go- uh, 20 wins, 4 Four draws, nine losses for them. Their formation is a flat 4-4-2. And fun fact, if anybody really wants to follow a team other than Germany, Austria is most likely your team because they are the squad comprised of the most Bundesliga players of any other, and that does include the German national team. So, Tom, with that in mind, there are a lot of players that we're familiar with. Who do you like to watch on this team? Yeah, Jake, as you mentioned, this team's pretty much FC Bundesliga for Euro 2020, as it is the, next to Germany, the most Bundesliga-laden squad in the Euros. So there's obviously a lot of players, as you mentioned, that we have to pick from. We keep an eye on a lot of these guys on a weekly basis very closely. But for me, I'm looking specifically at Union Berlin's Christopher Trimmel, For me, he's someone I think had a fantastic season uh, in that right-back role. He's someone who did very, very well getting forward, uh, providing a lot of service for different guys up front for Union Berlin, whether it be Geraldo Becker, uh, perhaps even Max Cruza. And I think that Union Berlin Berlin, exceeded a lot of expectations this season, Jake. Remember back into the Hinrunde, how long they were actually uh, in a European spot, in a Champions League spot. I think it was several weeks in the beginning. And Uh, Just looking at this group, you know, uh, you'd have to say that Austria next to the Netherlands are the heavy hitters. Uh, And so I think uh, defensively, it's going to be very, very important for Austria to not concede uh, as many goals as their counterparts. Because let's face it, on paper, this group is going to be Netherlands and then kind of a three-way battle for that second spot between Austria and Uh, Ukraine and North Macedonia so the onus is really on Austria having one of the most experienced outfits in the Bundesliga these guys play against each other they know each other very very well I think that's going to help their chemistry I know you probably have a couple players in mind yourself Jake but for me perhaps a little bit biased because he got me a lot of fantasy points and uh, Bundesliga fantasy manager this season, but I'm going to keep my eye mostly on Trimmel. Trimmel's a good pick. My pick is going to be Baumgartner. I think he's going to be incredibly important moving the ball through the center of the park. Of course, there's also some guy that plays defense for Real Madrid uh, named David Alaba that is in this roster. Interestingly enough, Alaba is probably going to be played more far up the pitch because they are well set in terms of left backs and outside defenders. They are not exactly as set in terms of wingers or more advanced winged midfielders. So Alaba will probably be up there. And then 
I guess outside of Baumgartner, the person playing right, right alongside of him, Marcel Zabitza, will be one of the most important players to this team. And I expect him and Baumgartner to be able to gel pretty well together. Uh, odds for Austria, 80-1 to 1 to win the entire thing, 11-2 to 2 to advance out of the group. Which brings us to our next team. The Netherlands, Di Orange, 16th in the FIFA World Rankings. They failed to qualify for the last two major tournaments. That includes the Euros. So they are making a glorious return. They finished second in their European qualifying group behind Germany with a 6-1-1 and record. Uh, their manager is Frank de Boer, which is interesting because Frank de Boer has come off of really, really bad managerial stints with Crystal Palace and with... Atlanta United, and now he is in charge of Holland, his home country. Only has 10 games of experience under his belt, a 4-4-2 for him. He's been experimenting with interesting formations, most notably a 4-3-2 in their games running up to these, this tournament. So the fact that we might be able to see that kind of negates me saying that they're standard formation is a 4-2-3-1, but I will say that regardless. Uh, they have an interesting double pivot of Jeannie Wijnaldum, formerly of Liverpool, and Frankie de Jong of Barcelona, so that will be how they operate, and judging based on those two, that kind of gives you an idea as to what they expect out of the two of them, right? De Jong kind of advances more up the field for somebody who's box-to-box, and De Jong is definitely more of an attacking midfielder than he is a true center midfielder. So, Tom, I know there's a certain Bundesliga striker on this team that you love. Is that the player that you are going to watch for in this team? Of course, Jake. You read me like a book. Obviously, listeners of this podcast will know how many times I've mentioned to our listeners that my favorite non-Bayern Munich Bundesliga player is Wout Weghorst, the Flying Dutchman, as I refer to him as, the quote-unquote uh, supernatural number nine, old-fashioned number nine, the big lad. But I am very jazzed up to see how he's going to do. Obviously, uh, a little. I would be remiss if I didn't mention Vinaldum and everything he's done for Liverpool. As, just as Jake was uh, touching base on everyone, you know, that's going to be a great double pivot. Both of those midfielders in De Jong and Vinaldum possess the ability to go box to box or hold when they need to. But for me, this is all going to be about Veghorst. It's his first big international tournament. He's coming off a fantastic season with VfL Wolfsburg. 20 goals in the Bundesliga, 25 from all competitions. I think it probably helped their domestic form, Jake, in the Bundesliga getting knocked out of the Europa League a little bit earlier than they would have liked. Uh, and obviously, we all know that they had a fantastic season. So for me, I am really rooting for him in this group. I think it's obvious the Netherlands are going to be the clear favorites. And yeah, I hope that Veghorst can be the main man for the Dutch. Now remind me, Tom, is Virgil van Dijk out with an injury currently? Yes, he is. He had the torn ACL from the Merseyside Derby early on in the season, and uh, he might be back for the beginning of Liverpool season, but definitely not in the Euros. That makes sense as to why I see two center backs being Matthias de Ligt and uh, Stefan de Vrij in there, as opposed to anything to do with uh, Virgil van Dijk. And that kind of puts them in a rough spot. And looking at this team, Vendal has been able to play in center back occasionally when needed. Nathan Ake is really the only other center back there, so that might be the biggest weakness for the Netherlands. My player to watch is somebody that is a little off the board. This is somebody who I've loved analytically, 
who I've wanted Bayern to jump on, who I think is a fantastic young midfielder. I think if I had to make one pick as to who the Renato Sanchez of this tournament is, not necessarily in terms of being overhyped or not, but in terms of being one of the brightest stars and the brightest young players on this uh, on this tournament, I would pick Tyne Coop Miners, who currently plays for AZ Alkmaar in the Eredivisie. I think he is probably going to be one of the better box-to-box midfielders in the world. We've seen Coop Miners uh, linked with a couple of lower-table sides in the Premier League. I think that he could very possibly leave. In terms of players in the Netherlands team that are top-rated... Coop Miners is the third best rated player with a 7.39. Of course, it's going to be tough with him fighting with Frankie de Jong and Jeannie Vinaldum in order to get starting time, but I really believe in this kid, and I think that he could really come out onto the world stage in this tournament. So put it down here. Tyne Coop Miners, T E U N. K-O-O-P-M-E-I-N-E-R-S. I think that is the player that we got to watch. And Jake, I think on. we got to uh, give give ourselves a little bit of a credit here. Ladies and gentlemen, we did not in any way, shape, or form plan that AZ Alkmaar to the Dutch national team connection. This is that That is just complete happenstance. Obviously, most of you will know that Vekor spent some time at Alkmaar as well. We definitely did not plan that ahead of time. Uh Another interesting thing I have to say before we give you the odds and then move on, uh, their first-choice keeper, Jesper Sillison, has been forced to leave the team due to COVID. And so Tim Krul will be their starting goalkeeper, and their two backup goalkeepers are Bizeau and Stecklenburg, which just brings me back really old FIFA vibes like FIFA 12, 13 ultimate team. And I love that. And I appreciate the Dutch national team for reading my mind on that. Uh, Odds for the Netherlands to win the whole thing are 12 to one. So not bad group winning odds, two to five for them. Moving on to one of two teams that are making their international tournament debut. We talked about one yesterday in Finland. They have long odds at 500 to one. The team tied with them in terms of odds and another team making their first major tournament debut is the nation of North Macedonia. Uh, the team is the Rishovi or the Lynxes. They have the worst FIFA world ranking coming into this at 62nd. Again, it's their first major tournament in history. They finished third in their European qualifying group with a 4-2-4 record, and so they had to go to a playoff. Their playoffs were against Kosovo. They beat them condolences to Milo Rashica, and then they beat Georgia 1-0 in order to advance here. It was a fantastic thing for them, and even more fantastic, they almost proved to themselves a couple of uh, a couple of months ago that they could compete at this level after they beat Germany in Germany, so don't write off North Macedonia. They might be an interesting team to watch out for, and this group is kind of out in the open in terms of who finishes second. So 
keep an eye out on them. Uh, their manager is Igor Angelovsky. Uh, he's been there since 2015. 50 games played under him, a 23-11-16 record. They play in a 5-3-2 formation, so that's fun to watch out for, and that usually sticks to a 5-3-2. So we might be able to see wingbacks push up, but it looks like they're pretty set in that. So, Tom, uh, I know they're aren't a lot of players from North Macedonia to pick from, but who do you like? Well, there's an obvious choice in a certain player for Marcelo Bielsa, but I was assuming that you might have picked him, and so I kind of went a different route, kind of going back to the slight affinity that I have for SSC Napoli. Um, So because of that, I went ahead and I highlighted Elif Elmas, and I know... uh, us as a Bayern Munich and Germany blog will remember him from that qualifier, Jake, that basically never happened. <clears throat> you know, the uh, where the Germans decided to lose 2-1 to one to North Macedonia. But again, that match never happened. It was just a pigment of all of our imaginations. Uh, Elmas was one of the players who scored in that match. And if, if I recall correctly, he scored the winner. But for me, he's a kind of guy, a bit part player for Napoli, uh, comes on a lot in center mid, whether it's, you know, for a guy like Bakiaku or uh, even uh, Piotr Zielinski, who we might take a look at later, and some of the other groups for Poland. Uh, so for me, he's a guy who can really come on and make a difference for Napoli and can play either a holding central midfielder, even an attacking midfield role. Uh, so he possesses a lot of versatility, and I think we saw in that qualifier that never happened that you know he can be a real threat from an attacking standpoint. He's a very creative spark uh, in the Napoli side as well as the North Macedonia side. So he's going to be a player that I'm keeping my eye on. Um, I hope that our paths don't cross again ever <laughs> with this with this side. Obviously, we have to play him once more in the qualifiers, but let's hope it's a different story when that time comes, Jake. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. It's going to be Goran Pandev, the 37-year-old who won a Champions League with Inter Milan over Bayern Munich in 2010. Uh, he's, again, 37 years old and is going to be their starting striker right behind him in that midfield, of course, uh, you have Anis Bardi and Ariana Ademi, who are going to be uh, important. Ademi being the captain of Dinamo Zagreb, Bardi being a regular with Levante in La Liga. So it's not like this Macedonia team is filled with a bunch of players who only play in the league that Macedonia uh, is home to. They get around, they go out and they ply their trade in multiple different countries and top flights in multiple different countries so even though their odds are 500 to 1 to win the whole thing and 20 to 1 to get out of the group it is possible it is very possible they could get out of this however they do not score that often uh currently in terms of side bets there's an 11 to 2 odds on north macedonia to be the lowest scoring team at the tournament and that is highly, highly possible, judging based on how, you know, they're relying on a 37-year-old striker to pound in a bunch of their goals. So, 
Moving on to the final team of this group, Ukraine. Zvotosaini, the yellow and blue, 24th in the FIFA World Rankings. They failed to qualify for the World Cup in 2018, finished 4th in Group C of the 2016 Euros. Not really been a great run over the past couple of years for Ukraine. Uh, they won their European qualifying group, however, over a Cristiano Ronaldo-led Portugal, so... Keep that in mind, 6-2-0 in that qualification. Their manager is Andrei Shevchenko. Ever since 2016, a 46-game streak for him, 22-13-11 is his record. Their formation is a interesting one. It looks like a 3-4-1-2 more than it does a 3-4-3. Uh, the right side of the four is Karavayev, who is a right mid, and the left is uh, Alexander or Alexander Sinchenko, who is a left back. So you can kind of see how this might be a little bit of a fluid team. They might be seeing Zinchenko dropping back and seeing the left of the two midfielders pushing out wide. So it really could operate like a 4-3-3 sometimes, or you could really see it as like a 3-2 five in in some cases depending on how much freedom is given to those uh to those left and right wingers so uh tom who are you looking out for on this team first i gotta start andre shevchenko every time i hear his name i just remember jersey dudek saving his penalty in the champions league final in 2005 sweet sweet memories but again it can't discredit that man's career very well decorated with chelsea ac milan and the ukraine national team but other than the obvious choice of going with the premier league player in zinchenko aka kevin de bruyne's younger brother i actually went and highlighted ruslan malinovsky from atalanta solely based off of just all of the recollections i have uh, from when Germany faced the Ukraine in recent qualifiers in the past couple of international breaks in, in both 21 and 2020-2019. This guy is just an absolute menace on the counterattack. It's one of those you know tactical plans where every time we had faced them where uh, Ukraine kind of lived and died off of the counterattack and those long balls. And uh, a guy with uh, the pace like Malinovsky, he was just constantly able to cause issues for Matthias Ginter, Nicolas Sula, Emre Chan, whoever we had out there. And it just, uh, to me, you know, he's used to obviously having the experience playing Germany a couple times, going up against the pretty much all Bundesliga backline, which he's going to be doing, Jake, right, when he plays Austria in this group. And, and let's be real. Uh, other than North Macedonia, Austria is probably the match in this group that Ukraine is looking at that they can really try and get uh, full points off of and, and get this second spot uh, potentially. So he's going to be the guy that I have my eye on. My guy is the clear favorite to net all of the goals for Ukraine, and that would be West Ham United's Andrei Yarmolenko. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course, but I have to be rooting for him. Actually, though, my person is the person that will most likely be scoring a majority of the goals for Ukraine in this tournament if they score enough goals. It would be Roman Yaramchuk. He netted uh, 23 goals and 8 assists in 43 games played for Ghent in the Belgian Pro League. He's a pretty clinical finisher up front. He scored in six of his last international matches, so that is, of course, somebody we need to look out for when it comes to goal scoring on this Ukrainian team, who 
don't really have great odds ahead of them. 50 to 1 to win the whole thing, 9 to 2 to win the group. So with all of that in mind, Tom, where do you see the pecking order for Group C? Well, I think it. this one is a little bit not obvious for me. Obviously, the, the Netherlands have had some terrible luck in qualifying for past tournaments. Uh, they're one of those teams that, you know, everyone's shocked that they they weren't at the past couple of major tournaments, but I still think they have enough to top the group. I think it's going to be a very, very close battle with Austria. Uh, but I think as we've outlined, this Austria team is very cohesive, very familiar with one another. Uh, and can get the job done. So I'm going to go Netherlands one, Austria two, Ukraine three, and then North Macedonia four. North Macedonia is going to win this group. I'm kidding. Uh, Netherlands one, Austria two, Ukraine three, and North Macedonia four sounds about right to me as well, Tom. So with that, we are going to wrap up Group C. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to stay tuned for our Group D coverage coming up later today and our later coverage of Groups E and F on Friday and our coverage of the entire tournament as it progresses. So everybody, please stay tuned. Thank you for listening. We will see you later.